Hey guys, it is the pilot episode of the Salvage Title Car Buyer's Guide, and this time we're going to talk a little bit about one of my favorite segments of automotive uh, anything, is the compact car segment. Um, you know, worldwide, these are the number of cars that tend to sell in the greatest numbers. Uh, you know, all over Europe and Asia, this is a market that tends to be dominated by cars like the Oris or the Corolla, um, the Volkswagen Golf, the Honda Civic, things like that. So we're going to look at cars this size just because me, as somebody who's in my early 30s, you know, throughout my 20s and early 30s, I mean, these are the cars that people my age buy. These are the cars that have seen the most amount of growth um, in any segment over the past five years. Um, while gasoline was expensive, these are the cars that have seen the greatest amount of attention from the automakers uh, in terms of quality, technology, luxury, safety over the past couple of years, because these are the cars that people are buying. So, or at least were in this case. Um, a lot of that seems to be going now to small crossovers, which in many cases are these cars on stilts. So, without further ado, we're going to talk a little bit about compact cars. Um, as far as the order goes, I'm going to do uh, three, top three in reverse order, starting at the bottom, and then we'll do an honor honorable mention after that. My honorable mention slide is going to be something where I think it's a car worth looking at. It might not necessarily be the car that I would choose. It might not necessarily be the car I would always recommend, but it's definitely a car worth taking a look at. So without further ado, the salvage title compact car rundown. <laughs> Alright, at the bottom end of my top three, which shouldn't be any indication of quality at all, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Mazda 3. Now the Mazda 3 is always a perennial favorite among automotive enthusiasts, and I include myself in that uh, group. The Mazda 3 is a car driver's choice in this segment. Um, as much as you can chalk it up to more expensive performance vehicles like the Subaru WRX or the Ford Focus RS, uh, the Mazda 3 is the choice that tends to stick with a lot of people. One, because of the purity of the driving experience, the dynamics that Mazda has included in the vehicle, um, and their commitment to weight loss and just engineering efficiency and design and execution. It's just, it's miles ahead of the competition when it comes to attention to detail. Um, there's not many other brands I can think of out there that do a similar amount of work. Maybe perhaps Volvo, their former uh, corporate cousin, uh, is one of the only other brands I can think of that just has a purity and execution similar to that of Mazda. So where I'd recommend going is probably the Touring trim. Um, it packs a little bit more standard comforts into it. Um, you get a little bit more uh, things like, you know, you get alloy wheels, you get some more power features, uh, you get uh, some more equipment in the stereo. It's overall just a more comfortable vehicle without adding too many expensive creature comforts on top of it. So for about 22k, you can pick up a touring hatchback with a stick. It's a little bit more than that. It's probably around 23k with an automatic. Um, the real good highlights, like I said, Dynamics. This is a car for drivers. This is a car that lets you feel the road. It doesn't, uh, you know, hold anything back. You're you're seeing the differences, or you're feeling the differences in the pavement quality. You're you're experiencing the weight transfer in the turns, but it still remains stable. It's a car that communicates with you every single day, and you know that's part of the fun of driving is driving, and this car lets you do that. Um, the simplicity and the design, where you know there's not too much heavy weight extra stuff in there that doesn't need to be there. Mazda really took it to heart by 
not having to over-engineer the car to get good fuel economy. You know, this is a car that didn't have a turbocharger. Now the turbochargers are in vogue. This is a car that, you know, didn't uh, try to do some crazy aero tweaks to make it slip through the air to get those extra couple things. This is a car that doesn't use special eco tires to trick your car into thinking it's getting better at fuel economy. This is a car that, simply put, took the time to be engineered to get better uh, powertrain losses to prevent you from losing power through the gearbox. This is a car that gets better uh, efficiency out of the engine because they took the time to make sure that there's not too much uh, drag uh, with like lubrication and things like that. And then lastly, like it's a passion. Like I said, it's Mazda just, they're so passionate about the automobiles that they make and the people that drive them. There's no bad qualities at all about the physical thing of this car like they just they took the time to do it now as far as the bad things go with this car um, the Mazda 3 lacks a lot of features that some of the competition has specifically in the tech department uh, Mazda does not have Android Auto or Apple CarPlay available as an option um, their infotainment system isn't exactly the best uh, out there it's it's very simple and Honda or excuse me Mazda wants to keep it that way they don't want to do too much they think big screens are distracting and as a driver I like that but as somebody who commutes I don't and that's you know that's got to be a personal choice for you uh, secondly the cost they're not exactly cost competitive in every single situation if you wanted to compare them line item to line item to a Honda Civic or to a Ford Focus or to a Chevrolet Cruze you're gonna lose a lot of money choosing the Mazda and because of those costs they're gonna you know have much smaller profit margins which means they're gonna have much smaller discounts available for you to buy so basically the sticker you see on that car for the most part is going to the price you pay and then lastly this is more for folks who don't maybe care as much about driving it's not as comfortable on the road you're gonna feel a lot more of the bumps you're gonna feel a lot more things and some people don't like that extra road noise that comes with it so there's some compromises that need to be made there I personally love the Mazda 3 I think a lot of people who drive the Mazda 3 will really like it too but it is an enthusiast car it's not for everybody who you know has a 40 mile commute on the highway at 80 miles an hour every day this is more for folks who have a couple of back roads to take who can at least enjoy the drive a little bit more Okay, second up, the Hyundai Elantra, and I guess the Hyundai Elantra GT, um, really kind of looking for a car that tends to be a little bit the best of a lot of different worlds. Um, the Hyundai Elantra is, what are, I mean, are we on the fifth, sixth generation of the Elantra now? Uh, Hyundai comes out fast and furious with these updates on these cars, and the Elantra has really benefited from the last couple of years of Hyundai really stepping up their game in terms of engineering, quality, performance, reliability, technology, uh, creature comforts. Like, these guys are putting the uh, hot iron to the uh, to the face of Honda and, or Honda and Toyota and saying, you know, you guys need to do better because we're now the best. And the Hyundai Elantra, um, at least in my mind, the best place to go is the value edition, which rings up for around 21k, um, which is 
by all accounts, a superior value to almost every other car in this segment. Um, for the value addition, you are getting a ton of tech and safety for the money. You're getting a 7-inch touchscreen, which is able to do Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. You're getting uh, safety features like Lane Keep, lane keep Assist, um, a lot of other active safety technologies that are going to keep you alert as a driver and make sure that you are being able to avoid certain collisions and things like that. Um, it's also got a lot of things like heated seats. I believe it has a sunroof. Uh, it's got power seats. It's got a lot of things that don't always come with a lot of these other vehicles. Um, one thing I really like about the Hyundai Elantra, and especially the Hyundai Elantra GT, is the design on the inside and out. Um, now, there will be a little bit of a difference in quality on each of those. Um, the Elantra GT is the European spec Elantra, which I think is sold as the i30 there. Um, that one is going to have a little bit more of an upmarket feel in terms of the materials and some of the execution. It just... Europe is a little bit more picky, and so as such, this car has a little bit more of a persnickety nature to it versus the Regulantra, which I think is still very good, but that is a car that was designed for the American and Korean market, um, which cuts a couple of corners on some of the design and execution. But overall, I think they really stand head and shoulders above a lot of their competitors where the design is laid out very plain and simply, buttons and controls are easy to reach, and really, in general, um, going up to the last point, quality, um, Hyundai has or Hyundai has done a really great job stepping up in the quality department. Um, you know, as much as I maybe belittle the sedan version of the car a little bit for not being up to the same standards as the European model, overall, this car is really screwed together tightly. Um, it really shows in the design of the car. The panel gaps are tight. The you know reliability scores are way up high. You know I might have some qualms about some of the turbocharged and dual clutch gearboxes that they use, but they've been doing them long enough now where there shouldn't be too many problems. But if like in this value edition you're getting the dead simple two liter engine, you're getting a eight speed automatic gearbox, or maybe it's only six speed. I'm missing that part in my brain. Uh, but in general, you're getting a really well made car for the money. Um, on the bad side, fuel economy isn't great. It's 28 miles per gallon city and 37 miles per gallon on the highway. That lags behind the competition by about 3 miles per gallon in both situations, which is kind of, sort of, inexcusable, but uh, there is some context to that. Hyundai did get in trouble um, a couple of years ago by the EPA for overrating their fuel economy scores. Um, after the EPA had tested them and nobody was getting those scores in the real world, they had got fined tons and tons of money, and so Hyundai and Kia regularly underrate the fuel economy ratings now, so your mileage will very likely be a little bit better than that. Um, outside of that, the um, in-betweener nature of the car is kind of a little bit of an issue. Getting the value addition lacks some of the um, fuel economy that the Eco model can get you, um, but at the same time, it's not, you know, it's not quite the best in all different situations. You could step up to something like the Sport and get a lot of sporting potential, get a lot of really cool features for the money, and, you know, I think that's definitely a model worth going towards because it costs about the same. Yeah, you're making some compromises there. Like, the Elantra and the Elantra GT aren't necessarily the best in any one particular category except for perhaps value, and that, I think, is a detriment to the car overall. You know, you're getting a car that really is a good choice. It's a smart money buy. You know, future resale value might not be as great as some of the competition, but overall, you're getting a lot for the money. Um, and I think if you like it, it's a good choice, and I would definitely say go for it. Okay, 
number one choice in this segment, and it's pretty obvious, it's the Honda Civic. Uh, the Honda Civic is an absolute revelation compared to the previous models, the last couple of generations. Uh, Honda really knocked it out of the park with this car. Um, they really put in the time and the effort to design it for people who actually need to have a car that works for them every day. And boy, oh boy, I mean, this car is just fantastic. Uh, the sweet spot for me is going to be the $22,000 EX with the 2.0-liter 4-cylinder and the CVT gearbox. Um, you're getting 31 miles per gallon in the city, 40 miles per gallon on the highway, which, if I'm remembering correctly, is class-leading. If it's not, that's because the Civic with the turbo gets a couple more miles per gallon than that. Um, as far as whether or not to get the 2.0-liter or the turbo, that's entirely up to you. There's a bit of a price difference between each. I think the 2.0-liter is more than enough for most folks, but the 1.5-liter turbo will definitely help if you need a little more gusto in your life. Honda also really knocks it out of the park when it comes to safety and technology stuff on this thing. They do offer the Honda Sensing Suite for $1,000, which adds lane keep assist. Uh, it's got the blind spot warning. It's got the blind spot cameras that you can use. Um, I believe it even has adaptive cruise control on some uh, trim levels of the car. It's really a good system. It's just unfortunate that Honda doesn't package it as standard like they do on the new Accord. I think that's going to happen soon because Toyota is now packaging a lot of those systems on their cars as standard. Um, Styling-wise, I also think Honda really does a great job with these vehicles. Um, there's a really cohesive line to be drawn from the sedan to the coupe to the hatchback. And, you know, it's it's just a generally, I think, a good-looking car, um, both inside and out. The interior is laid out really well. As much as I wish that they would have fixed the audio issue that they have where the car doesn't have a volume knob for the stereo, I think that's eventually going to be added later on. Um, right now, it's a capacitive touch thing on the steering wheel and on the dashboard and it it works but it doesn't work that well um but you know styling wise like it's got those big swoopy taillights that look great at night it's just it's a good looking car and you know the variety of body styles is great too um, whether you choose the sedan the coupe or the hatchback you're going to get something that really feet or matches your lifestyle um, as much as I would personally want to lean into the hatchback myself, the sedan is more than enough. Now, as far as the drawbacks are concerned on this car, um, it's going to be the pricing and options. The Honda is going to be more expensive on average than a lot of other vehicles, and Honda is going to be very stingy with uh, any kind of rebates, incentives, or leasing deals. They do typically offer lease deals on the LX, the base model, but not on all the other trims, so check your local dealer to see what kind of things are going on. And as far as options are concerned, considered um, because they offer so much as standard, especially in the EX and up trims, there's not a lot of stuff to choose from. I think there's some positives to that, but the negative is, of course, that if you are desperate to have Android Auto and Apple CarPlay like me, but you can't afford an EX or higher trim vehicle, you know, you're bum out of luck. If you get an LX, you're stuck with that terrible Honda infotainment system as a base thing. Um, from what I understand, the new system that's in some of the, um, starting with the new Accord, is pretty okay. But even on the Accord, they lock away a lot of that um, extra stuff and higher trim levels, which is not a good situation. Um, another problem I have with the Honda Civic is that there's a lot of I should have gotten something else kind of thing. And I mean that more within the trim line. Um, you know, if you get the EX, you know, it's not much more to get the EXL to get the leather. From the EXL, it's not much more to get an EXT to get the turbocharged engine. You know, it's not that much more to get an SI. It's not that much more to get a Type R. So there's a lot of incrementalism in the Honda that I think is kind of tough. 
I think you can find a lot of sweet spots in different things, but those sweet spots always lack a couple of features that another model that's just a little bit more will have. Um, you know, like I said, I think the EX is the smart way to go on the sedan. I think if you're getting a hatchback, I think the Sport is smart, but the Smart, or excuse me, the Sport doesn't have a couple of features that higher trim levels will have. So your mileage is going to vary there. And then lastly, you know, the competition is hot in this segment and the Honda Civic isn't always going to remain the top choice. Um, as I noted with the Hyundai Elantra, the number, number two choice, there's, there's a lot of stuff that you can get for less money. And in this case, that's definitely true with the Elantra, but the Civic is just, they tick the boxes on the driving experience, like the Mazda three, they tick the boxes like the Hyundai Elantra for the equipment and just overall the build quality, the refinement, it's all there. The Honda Civic, it's definitely the way to go if you're shopping in this segment. So last up is an honorable mention, and this is one that I feel like is tough to ignore, and that is the Toyota Corolla and the Toyota Corolla IM. Um, so for about twenty-two grand, you can get the SE Special Edition, which I believe is the 40th anniversary Special Edition right now, um, which includes a lot of cool things, um, you know, some, some simple basic features, but most importantly, it comes in this really cool purple color. Or you can get uh, around 20K, a little bit less than that, uh, for an LE Eco, which I think is going to make a little bit more of a smart choice for a lot of folks. So what I like most about the Toyota Corolla is going to be the value for money. Like, Toyota doesn't put too much in this car for what you get. Um, if you're buying the IM for around that price, the 22K or so, you're getting a lot of standard features. Um, you know, you're getting some really interesting European style quality items like soft touch materials, things like that. It's really a highly equipped car for the money. Um, versus the regular Toyota Corolla, you know, you, you're, you're doing with a little bit less, um, but they're giving you really anything, everything that you need and not more. And I kind of like that. Um, as I mentioned in the Honda Civic segment, uh, Toyota is offering a lot of standard safety equipment in their vehicles starting for 2017-2018, and the Corolla is no exception. Um, you are getting collision detection and collision prevention. Um, I believe there's adaptive cruise control on some of these trims. Um, there's also the lane keep assist. I believe there's blind spot monitoring on a lot of these things. So Toyota is offering a lot of safety equipment for no extra charge, and that's really awesome. And then lastly, these cars are dead simple. Um, Toyota, for all of their fits of innovation that they had in the 90s, uh, really in these this decade and a half or so, they haven't done much. Um, these are still the same engines and transmissions that they've basically had for years and years and years and years. And as well, although they've modified them slightly to do some things, um, not much has changed. So in this Corolla, you're getting, if I remember correctly, it's a direct injection, two liter engine with a CVT. Um, it makes a little bit more power in the Eco models for some reason and a little bit less than the other versions, but there's not really a major difference between that. Um, but these cars aren't gonna break. They're Toyotas, they're over-engineered for what they are and the powertrains are never gonna change for at least a decade or so. So parts are gonna be cheap and that's always an upside if you buy one of these cars. Now, on the bad side, these cars are boring as fuck. They're not visually interesting. They're not uh, dynamically interesting. They're not even interesting in conversation. These cars are dead simple. They're never going to break. 
and that's it. That's all that there is to them. Like, you know, Toyota wants to make their cars more sporty and more interesting. These are not the cars for you. The IM does have a um, multi-link rear suspension, which the regular Corolla does not have, which is a little bit of an upside. So in some particular circumstances, which could eventually come along, the uh, I am could maybe be a little more fun, but you're talking about, you know, redoing all the wheels and tires, all that stuff, adding a couple of sport enhancements. But even then it's the chassis not there. The, the steering input's not there. It's, it's, it's a car to drive and that's, that's it. It's not, it's meant to be an A to B vehicle, not to be something to go drive down a windy road. Uh, another thing is that at least something that I've noticed, at least on the sedan version of the Corolla, it's really dark in the interior. Um, the belt line of the seats or the doors is very high, or at least it seems much higher than what I remember it being in older Corollas. So not, I don't feel like a lot of light gets in. So be careful with what interior color choice you make. Um, the darker black and other shades I don't think is great, but at the same time, it's going to be the shade that matches a lot of exterior colors. So just be kind of conscious of that. See if it works for you. Um, it might have just been because of where I was last sitting in one that it was so dark that it seemed so tight. Um, but I will say this, it is very comfortable and they have very good seats for commuting. So that is always an upside. Um, and then the last part is that Toyota really dropped the ball in technology. It's just not there. No Android Auto, no Apple CarPlay connectivity. They don't want to do it. They have their own system that works with your phone, but it only just slightly works. And that is a huge disappointment. Their standard infotainment system sucks. Uh, Toyota is not hedging any bets on this right now. All of their investments are in powertrain, dependability, quality, reliability, yada, 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 and not this. And while that's perfectly fine for old folks, it is not good for young people. And I hope eventually, someday, Toyota decides to make a change. But until then, we're stuck with some bad choices there. All right, guys, that just about wraps up this first pilot episode of the Salvage Title Car Buyer's Guide Compact Edition. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback about the car choices I made, feel free to drop me a line here on Anchor FM or hit me up on Twitter at YSSMAN. Um, keep in mind that some of my choices are going to be a little more subjective than some of the other larger publications online or in print. Um, you know, th those folks are maybe a little more considerate of whether you're in Poughkeepsie or Petaluma, uh, you know, there's going to be a car for you, but they might need to balance that out a little bit more. Um, myself, I'm a little bit more concerned about driving dynamics, technology, and along with quality and engineering. So, yeah, your mileage may vary, but, you know, don't you fret. I've got hot takes, hot takes for just about every segment in the automotive industry, so... Hopefully I've got something that interests you. If you know somebody who's shopping for a car or you are yourself, I hope this helps you out. Feel free to share it with your friends, like, subscribe, do whatever. You can find this podcast wherever podcasts are sold. So do whatever you do. Anyway, guys, I hope you have a good rest of the day, week, month, wherever you are. We'll see a new episode of one of these pretty soon. Bye-bye. I'm not going to